Has the jury reached a verdict? Hold it! Billy, I need your help, man. All right. Axel! Axel? Don't go. Honey, wake up. What? Oh, I had that dream again. Peter is so Oh no, he's tired. Oh no! He's tired. He's in the party. It's the podcasting no. equivalent of slipping down a hill. <laughs> just like, That's wow, did. you didn't fall down. I almost just... said he's tardy to the party, but hey. It's tardy to the party. That it's sounds like an I'm insult Daniel. enough that I am tardy to the party, yeah. We fill our pockets for walls. Where's Pizza Meal? It was the first time around. I have seen chunks of this on TV throughout my life. Usually the ending for some reason. Oh, really? Huh. And yeah, it's Beverly Hills Cop. It's Bill's Choice. Bill, you never seen Beverly Hills Cop? <laughs> We're on. It's going to be one of those episodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've never seen Beverly Hills Cop before. No. I know. Weird, you know what? This is a weird thing. Um, I was just happy to be. Well, last week, what I was. What was I thinking about talking about last week? Breaking <laughs> and. Uh, break it or. Uh, <laughs> Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> Which, to hey, be you fair. Said, you looked at those choices and said, what the fuck was I on? I am I. It was literally like the day after we recorded. I was fl uh, flipping through the channels on cable. This is how a lot of my projects recently have started was me flipping through the channels on cable. And I think it's the ch same channel that suddenly decided back in January that it wanted to start showing Roadhouse all the time. Mm. Uh, now they're showing Beverly Hills Cop 2 all the time. And I started watching it. It's the first time I'd seen any of Beverly Hills Cop since I was a kid. And even when I was a kid, I never saw all of Be Beverly Hills Cop. I saw the opening of Beverly, Beverly Hills Cop like 20 times, but I've never seen the whole film. But that got me thinking, I've never seen the original Beverly Hills Cop. And in fact, aside from... That, like, opening 15 minutes of, like, Beverly Hills Cop 2 that I've seen 20 times, I don't think I've ever really sat down or watched a, a Nettie Murphy movie before. Not, that not even be... Norbit? No! Well, I, that's the thing. <laughs> that's, not, that's not such a hard thing to say these days. But, like, he was at, what, Trading Places, 48 Hours... Mm -hmm. Another 48 hours, and and the and, nutty professor, the clumps. <sighs> oh Jesus Christ! Shrek, Shrek two, Shrek three, Shrek four, Shrek <laughs> oh, thirty three, you know and what? a third. I did. I when I first moved to Portland, I got tricked into uh, by my friends into paying for all their movie tickets so we could all go see Shrek two, and I wanted to fucking shoot myself. Because I had just moved to Portland, and I wanted to say, well, maybe I didn't get tricked. Maybe I can't. Maybe did I offer to thank my friends who let me move to Portland to like move in with them that I paid for their tickets? But I was—I don't think I've ever been so angry for paying a, for a batch of movie tickets as I ever was in my That's life so after having. Because it's one thing to get swindled into being paying for one ticket to see Shrek 2, but for like half a dozen people, it was like 60 bucks on top of already having moved, so it was already broke to begin with. I was so angry at Shrek 2. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think... Shit, man, like, have I ever seen any Eddie Murphy movies aside from Shrek 2? Now that I think about it. Like, everything we just talked about and listen, unless there's something big and basic and obvious that I've missed before. Um... Yeah, aside from, like, I guess I've only seen... Coming to America? No, I've never seen... Com oh, shit. That's... That's that's going on the list. Cause the it's... Haunted Mansion? Uh, no. Daddy Daycare? <laughs> oh, wait. 
Oh my fucking god, I forgot. I forgot they already did a Haunted Mansion movie. It was terrible. The Adventures of Pluto Nash? <laughs> you just have his Wikipedia page up. Yeah, uh, Dr. Doolittle 2? Coming to America is going on. Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't believe how, how many terrible movies he's made in the last 20 years. Like, intentionally going out of his way to make, like, embarrassing films. Mm. Coming to America, that's one... I've always heard people talk about that. For some reason, I've just always missed that, too. Just like the original by yes, release, similar. Hills Cop. And I've, I've Vampire been... in Brooklyn. <laughs> the Golden Child. Oh, my mm. God. Oh, That's he another was... one I've seen chunks of on TV, but never watched the whole thing. My dad went to go see this in theaters. I don't remember why, because he wasn't much for quote-unquote black people movies. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's the worst racial thing we get away with while talking about Eddie Murphy. That's that's the we're doing pretty good. Uh, what's the one? He was in a Murphy uh, movie with uh, uh, Richard Pryor. It took place in the 1930s. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Let me look Google. Oh, I'm not sure on that. Richard Pryor. It had a really cool poster by Drew Struzan. Um, mm. Let's see. Uh, it was called My Butt Meat is delicious it's called harlem nights yeah because for some reason when i went to go see like back to the future 2 my dad decided he wanted to go see i think because i think he liked eddie murphy and richard Pryor, so he's like i'll go see that and i think he liked it but like it was i don't know um yeah so beverly hills cop somehow i completely avoided ever having seen like a single frame of this movie hmm. which is weird because i grew up in the 80s and i grew up like watching uh eddie murphy well it's not i grew up and when eddie murphy was on Saturday Night Live, I was still a little kid. But, like, I would see clips of that on, like, the comedy channel and stuff like that. And he was just such a huge celebrity when I was a kid. I mean, I just knew him just through mostly just from his fame rather than anything he actually yeah. made, really. But, yeah, it's weird to think. Uh, well, uh, between the Beverly Hills Cop thing, uh, the other thing that got me really thinking about Eddie Murphy was they just had the trailer a couple weeks ago for He is Making a Dolomite, or not a Dolomite, a Ray Ray Moore biopic. That actually looks pretty good, at least from the trailer. I didn't realize that movie is supposedly written by the same guys who wrote Ed Wood. And those guys are really smart. Their commentary track for Ed Wood is fantastic. And so there's actually a good chance that that Rudy Ray Moore movie could be actually kind of good. And that's the joke with Eddie Murphy for the last 20 years is like he, how he's somehow gone out of his way to make the worst shit possible. And so everyone's seeing this, and just by virtue of the fact that the, 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 the Rudy Ray Moore movie looks okay, everyone's like, oh my god. Eddie Murphy might be coming back. We might be getting the good Eddie Murphy for the first time in like 30 years. And so between, yeah, that got me thinking like, yeah, I would like to see an old good Eddie Murphy movie again. I figured, what the hell? Why not start with the movie that really broke him open in terms of box office success? And mm -hmm. uh, the movie that you could argue to this day that he's still been riding on the coattails of like, he's still been coasting as a result of the popularity of this film. The first Beverly Hills Cop movie. Oh, I've seen Beverly Hills Cop 3 though. Have you ever seen that? Uh, oh, no. It is fucking terrible. It was made by uh, John Landis, the guy who killed people on the Twilight Zone movie mm -hmm. and made the, the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop 3 is so bad. I think it retroactively affected my enjoyment of of the Blues Brothers. I didn't bring it up in our Blues Brothers episode, but I think that was the first. I love American Werewolf in London, which is also John Landis. But something about, like, having seen Blues Brothers after seeing 
how terrible he could be with Beverly Hills Cop is it's Axel Foley goes to like fake Disneyland. It's essentially a murder mystery uh, story that takes place in Wally World from European Vacation, uh, from National Lampoon's Vacation, and it's fucking. It just looks ugly. It looks like a bad episode of Perfect Strangers, the way it's lit and everything like that. And and so that was my I guess as a, as a kid that was my first real exposure at least to the specific specific franchise. And I have to say, at least Beverly Hills Cop 1 is better than the third one. It may not be a great film by itself, especially by uh, 2019 standards. It is a fucking slow-ass movie. Um, I do kind of appreciate how pokey... The first 20 minutes moved all right, but then the last, like, third of the movie (laughs) is... A chore. The exciting gunfight against three people that goes on for like <laughs> half an hour. Yeah. Uh, that's and everything the... leading up to it. Well, this movie was made before like the action. It was before like Schwarzenegger. Before good taste. Yeah, well, it was before action movies really became eighties action movies. It was nineteen eighty four, and I guess well, I guess the the, the background of this movie was uh, Beverly Hills Cop was originally like I forget who came up with the idea, but. Uh, it was an idea that got passed around. Originally, this was supposed to, uh, uh, I think it was supposed to be a Sylvester Stallone vehicle for the longest time. It was supposed to be, obviously, with Stallone in the movie, it was supposed to be a straight action movie. And it was supposed to be this big budget thing where, like, he would murder a billion people. And it was supposed to end with, like, a car chase between a Lamborghini and a Porsche. And the bad guy would run into a train and the entire train would explode. And I guess Paramount Pictures, they were like, we don't want to spend that much money on this. Let's, how can we make this cheaper? And then when Stallone saw that they wanted to make it cheaper, he was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna go! I'm gonna go make Cobra, or Over the Top, or whatever the fuck garbage he was making in the mid '80s." <laughs> and so I guess they were like, "Well, let's let's get this Eddie Murphy kid. He's looking for his first movie vehicle after leaving Saturday Night Live, and he's cheap. And with him, we could just make a cheap version of this movie where we can scale back all the gunfights, and hopefully, him being funny." will be, like, the main attraction, and so that we don't have to worry about, like, spending any time or money <laughs> on the action stuff. And so the action... Let's make let's make sure not to write him any jokes, though. <sighs> you can totally tell. Like, it was... The script was like, and then Eddie Murphy says something funny here. <laughs> <laughs> at least... At least his bits don't go on forever. It's not like Paul Feig Ghostbusters, where, like, it's Eddie Murphy just rambling for 20 minutes, but you can tell... Where they just said, okay, then Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy just bluffs his way into this place, and we'll just let him do a shtick. We'll just give him mm-hmm. the situation, but we'll let him come up with whatever the actual Foley shtick will be. Um, and you know what the interesting thing is? Because uh, having seen uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3, not that I haven't seen it forever, but and also having seen Beverly Hills Cop 2, at least parts of it, um, it's interesting to go back and see this first movie, because it's before... Uh, uh, Eddie Murphy had become kind of a caricature of himself. I know in the later two Beverly uh, Hills Cop movies, Axel Foley becomes much more of a Bugs Bunny kind of character where he's always got a witty retort and he's always on and he's never hurt or confounded by everyone else. He's always got to be the smartest guy in the room. I kind of like the energy of Eddie Murphy in this first movie where it's a little bit slower and he, of course he's he's the main hero. He never gets really fucked up by anyone else too much. But it's a little bit slower and he's his, he doesn't always have the wittiest comebacks and he's acting a little bit more like a grounded human being. Um, he doesn't seem to be completely cloaked in plot armor uh, like he the character seems to be in the other movies. I mean, granted... The only thing that really happens when this movie gets thrown through a window and shot in the arm. 
Um, he gets shot in the arm at point-blank range, though, by a guy with a gun the size of a howitzer, and he gets a little flesh wound, though. He gets a little yeah. poster paint on his arm. Uh, but there's something about kind of the slow, pokey pace, because it's a 1984 film, and so, yeah, like I said, this is before 80s action movies had, had kind of honed itself into such a, like, in, into, like, a last action hero caliber formula. So it's kind of funny to see, like, a... Like a uh, 80s action film that's still kind of pokey. There's a chase scene at the beginning of the movie where the hero Eddie Murphy doesn't do anything. He just sits in the back of a truck for 20 minutes getting thrown around with a bunch of boxes. And he has no agency mm-hmm. in the in the action scene. Which, no. even if, if they hadn't made this movie just even three years later they would not have allowed that to happen. Eddie Murphy would be climbing on top of the truck or doing something. He wouldn't just be like sitting in the back of the truck going, um, I can't do an Eddie Murphy laugh for shit. No, that was Nate. You nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. That's my old man Eddie Murphy impression. <coughs> oh, God, I got woke. I just woke up, so I've got that morning phlegm thing going on. Mm. Um, but what are we talking about? We're talking about the Beverly Hills Cop. It opens... It has Flamewar Theater font. It's got, like, Flowers in the Attic 80s super flowery serif font, which I love that. And also, too, like, the main title, it's great because I know on the Beverly Hills Cop poster, and also, like, for the credits for Beverly Hills Cop 2, it's got the words Beverly Hills, but it's got cop written in, like, an action font, where it's, like, this handwritten cop super badass font. And for the main mm-hmm. title, it's just cop. Like it's supposed to be like a little, like a stamp thing. And it looks very silly, and it's very underbaked. It's not quite as 80s stylized as on the poster and stuff, which I thought was kind of endearing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I haven't let you talk for 20 minutes. It's fine. I, I actually <laughs> didn't take a lot of notes for the first 20 minutes because I was just trying to get through it. Oh damn, that's some a... usual. No, 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 no. You some know, usual my notes. Parts then, of this gosh, movie is actually opening too. It's, they uh they they do the scene setting where they're just showing Detroit a bunch of a bunch of people just in Detroit living their Detroit early eighties lives, mm-hmm. which I actually kind of like because it's obviously just real people. They're not actors like this. Is not set up scenes or anything. I, I just this little time capsule <laughs> well, yeah. of what Detroit was like in nineteen eighty three. I thought was actually kind of interesting. I, I like that you can actually see one of the people look at the camera like, what the fuck is this? That's the kind of thing I love. Like for the credit for the costume designer, they chose footage of like this white guy walking down the street with like his shirt is like he's been wearing it every day for 30 years and he's like literally wearing it through and he's got this like piss soaked hat i don't know if that mm. was like the credits people take trying to try to like make fun of the costume designer they get one of the most bummily dressed people in detroit to be the main person uh for the for the but anyway but yeah as people i guess people are doing a cigarette deal in an alley yeah uh and uh, i mean you know that axel's a cop his name's axel foley uh, 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 Eddie Murphy's character, and he plays by his own rules, as all '80s cop does. He talks a lot, cause that's Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's a fast talker. There's a couple guys like they're yeah. Uh, I guess they're trying to sell sto- uh, two trucks full of stolen cigarettes. Yeah, for two thousand dollars, but he wants five thousand. They argue. Cops show up. They drive. Stuff happens. Lots of cars get ruined. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy, like, again, he has no agency. He's just sitting in the back with all these <laughs> bunch of empty boxes pretending to be full box- boxes of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And he literally is just laughing to himself. And that that's literally the whole... I mean, the, the end of the chase gets interesting. It gets a little John Landis-y because, what, the, the, the truck carrying People the cigarettes... People are murdered? 
Are there? Uh, there's definitely like there's a whole fruit truck that gets destroyed. There's like a V. Well, VW actors Beetle get murdered. I should say. Yeah. No, actors get murdered. Do they? Oh, oh because John Landis. <laughs> John Landis. Yeah, if you really want that John Landis effect, you actually have to have people driving in those like un unsuspecting <laughs> people in the fruit truck. Yeah. Mm. Oh god. No, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, it's good destruction with the truck, I guess, yeah. but. I mean, they're also the I, interesting. How thing, do you? It how, looks like they're actually you... driving in Detroit. This isn't L.A., which these days no one ever bothers to get go out of L.A. to film stuff like this, unless they're yeah. filming stuff in, in Atlanta. So it's nice to actually they're doing all these crazy stunts on like actual Detroit streets, and which is pretty did, crazy. Did this fool think he was gonna get away from cops in a uh, a double truck semi? To be two, fair, he is mostly indestructible trucks. until the last thirty seconds of the chase. Yeah. yeah, he's Optimus priming his way through all yeah, these other you know, city streets I, I and thought, shit. I thought maybe Eddie Murphy was gonna go up to the cab and like kick him or something. Something, something, no, but no. no, he's not. Yeah, no. Like I said, that's how you can tell this is an early '80s movie because the hero doesn't do shit. It just he's just yeah. there for the spectacle. He gets the trouble from his boss for going undercover without permission. Yeah, and isn't that called just doing crimes? Yeah. <laughs> Just, when you're just just helping out with mayhem and you're not actually doing anything, yeah. And They're I guess because yeah, they can't charge the bad guys with crimes. But what about all the like lives they put in danger and property and damage and yeah? Even if even if they can't charge them with the bus, the fact that the guy like he probably killed people during yeah, the damn escape. Damn it, we can't charge him with buying stolen cigarettes, but. You can I guess charge you him. Charge him with multiple homicides that he caused. Multiple homicides and causing ten thousand dollars worth of damage to the city. Uh, yeah, more than ten thousand. Yeah. yeah. Well, nineteen eighty-four. Um, I did the math. Uh, Eddie Murphy's hotel room in today's dollars would be six hundred dollars a night. Which, yeah, that's fucked up. But that's not too bad for a swanky place. That's not too bad, but yeah, yeah. I guess in Beverly Hills, actually, that's not too bad. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Paul Reiser is his best friend, even though he only shows up for a scene and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. Mad about you? Uh, oh, is that was the that his show? That's his show. He was also the bad guy in Aliens. Oh, was he the bad guy in Aliens? <laughs> Shut up! I hate you. <laughs> I hate you! I hate you! I hate you! I hate you. <laughs> oh no! God. It's finally coming out on the podcast. <laughs> this is the comment that broke Bill finally. You didn't know who Paul Reiser was. <laughs> God. So his captain is a hard-ass black man, as all 80 cops movies do. This is. I wonder if this is kind of the 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 origin of this whole. Th I mean, in terms of like 80s black police captain who's angry at the hero for being a rebel. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is this is definitely he's, the only thing that's missing. He's not fat, and he's not played by the one guy who played the place who played the police captain in half of these roles. Yeah. Uh, but like he's actually a tall skinny guy who I guess in real life was an actually a real police captain He was a retired when he mm -hmm. filmed this but like I kind of like they actually got a real cop to play because the guy is obviously not a great actor He just shows up and starts talking about how uh, the, the what the media are chewing his ass off and he's like look at me I have no ass left Mm-hmm and uh, Axel's told his reckless ways got his ass on thin ice because it's an 80s cops movie. Yeah, I'm surprised and, he doesn't ask for his gun and his badge. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Axel goes back to his home. He's something suspicious. So he goes in there with his gun out. But it's just his old friend who got out of jail. And they go out and have fun time on the town. 
talking and <laughs> eating it up. You mean his best friend who is destined to die the moment he shows up, he might as well just be wearing a fucking hard hat that says kill me on it? Yeah, I, I saw him. I I haven't seen this movie before. I was like, why didn't they cast somebody bigger in this role? And then I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess they tried <laughs> oh, to I trick see. the audience because I guess in the main in the main credits, he is credited along as being one of the main, I think it's like second built after like Eddie Murphy. Hmm. But, you know, but yeah. I mean, it's also funny because he's kind of like a knockoff uh, Hank Azaria kind of weirdo. Mm. And I thought it was kind of cool, at least, like, it's... You could tell this like, Eddie Murphy's first movie, because everyone else in this movie is a white person. And so they're trying to show how kind of cool with white people that Eddie Murphy is, that all of his best friends are, like, white guys. Not to say Eddie Murphy wouldn't be friends with white people in real life, but you know, it's there's something so kind of... Like, they're talking about how everyone grew up in the same neighborhood in Detroit. I'm like, really? Especially, like, the pretty blonde lady? Like, what the hell's going on in this movie? Uh, yeah. But really, mostly, his best friend deserves to die. Because uh, when Eddie Murphy comes running in... Because of that shirt. No, oh. fuck it! The yeah. dude's eating his food and left the fridge open! I'm glad there's a moment uh. where, Freddie, where Eddie Murphy does say, like, Hey, man, what the hell? I'm not pay paying my electrical bill. But I was like, who the hell? It's one thing to come in and someone eat someone's food in their house, but do you only leave the fucking fridge door open? Also, I thought it was interesting that uh, Axel Foley has a full crock pot of food in his fridge. I've never seen anyone just take, unplug the crock pot from the wall and just put the whole crock pot in the fridge before. I just thought that mm. was a trick. That's neither here nor there. They're going out, they're drinking, they're having a good time. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how uh, his buddy Mikey, right? Yeah, Mikey, yeah. Mikey uh, got arrested and uh, Axel is also in the shenanigans with him, but he never... He never threw Axe onto the bus. He a two flying. Oh, so yeah, so it, it, it's they're suspect. Yeah, so they insinuate that like there's some kind of crime that they both uh, got. Well, I guess Mikey got busted for that he did not ride out Eddie Murphy, mm -hmm. and so Mikey spent the last couple of years in jail and is just getting out now. And I, yeah, which I, it seems like Eddie Murphy's been a cop for at least a couple of years. So was this like right before? Like, Eddie Murphy went into the police academy, or they, they never talk about what, what exactly happened, but uh, nah. they do suggest that Eddie Murphy's a relatively recent cop hire. He hasn't been around for too long, but... And, he, and he's already being an asshole. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. I know this becomes more of a thing in the second movie, which I think is part of the flanderization of Eddie Murphy's character, where he becomes more of a just a parody of himself from this movie. But I thought the fact that Eddie, Mur or Eddie Murphy has a little bit of a criminal background would become more of a thing in this movie. Because uh, I think the 80s stereotype of the black guy is like, he's going to be streetwise, he's going to use his street smarts. No, it's more about as the fact that he just uses his Detroit cop smarts rather than his, like, wow, it's, it's, well, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, they're talking and stuff. Yeah, he wants to go uh, steal a car with him, but he's like, I'm a cop now, I can't do that. <laughs> I love you. Mikey gets one drink into a one scotch and soda, he's like, let's go commit crimes. Mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy is just like, are you serious? And he's not like funny about it, he's just like, what are you doing? What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. And so they go back eventually after uh, drinking all night, and Axel gets knocked out in the back of the head, somebody hits him, then and his buddy's got some bonds on him that he stole or something. Oh, from... that was the there was a scene before this. Essentially, there's mm. two scenes with the guy before. There's like the one scene they have before they go out drinking. The guy pretty much lays out everything that Eddie Murphy needs to follow up the evidence on. And like, oh hi, yeah. by the way, I used to work in Beverly Hills with our old friend mm. Judy or whatever. 
and I work yeah. for her. I'm helping smuggling bonds. I stole some. Here's some evidence that you can use to track down my killers later. Essentially, he says. Yeah. yeah. And so. then he he gets hit and and shot a couple times and murdered by uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, Breaking Bad. It's just funny too, cause like the way he's killed, Breaking Bad kind of knocks him. He, the, Breaking Bad's buddy knocks out Eddie Murphy. Then Breaking Bad like knocks Mikey to the ground and like shoots him in the head. But in the way that it looks like he's doing a pretend like that, I don't know if there's like blanks in the gun or anything like that. You hear the sound of boom, boom. But, like, they actually show him, like, on camera, but there's no blood or anything like that. And, like, and like oh, wait, is Mikey actually dead? And suddenly cuts to the next scene and there's, like, you know, the, all, the cops are there and the morgue police are there and stuff like that. And I guess I guess Mikey actually is dead. Okay, that's weird. Um, yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to go off in a whole spiel about who Breaking Bad is, but... Okay. Yeah. And, uh, 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 his captain isn't putting him on the case. He's too close to it or whatever and he's on thin ice or whatever. So he's dead. The whole 80 spiel, detective. yeah. And of course, that detective isn't going to be able to do anything because apparently everybody, every other cop in Detroit, is aside from Eddie Murphy, is just a bumbling doo-doo head. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, "Well, then I'm going to take my vacation now." Boo. <laughs> and then the, his his boss is like, "Well, you you can take your vacation, but if you use your vacation to try to uh, follow up on this case, it'll be the longest vacation you ever heard of." And then Eddie Murphy just kind of makes a face, and that's the end of the scene. And also, his 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 cop dad still keeps on yelling about him to go get himself checked out at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Murphy, but Eddie so... Murphy does look bummed. I mean, I guess his friend just died, so he has to be acting kind of sad in this scene. But yeah, yeah. And then uh, plenty of isn't Beverly Hills weird <laughs> montage. Well, yeah. I literally the first thing you see is a palm tree, and the camera pan pans down. I do like Eddie Murphy seems to be driving a shitty car from, I guess he just drove from Michigan straight to uh, uh, Beverly Hills, which kind of makes sense because he brought his gun. Even as a cop, I don't know if he'd be allowed to bring his gun onto an airplane. Well, I, I guess 1980s, know, actually. Like it, no, yeah, he drove his shitty car all the way there. Which I thought was actually kind of, also show he probably doesn't have a ton of money, which actually kind of shows how poor he is. I mean, they don't, no one goes out of the way to highlight it. It becomes a little bit of a joke with his lady friend later that he's still driving the same shitty car. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's just you get to see all the fancy, uh, fucking Porsches and fancy stores and restaurants and all the weirdos dressed like '80s shitty rock stars and stuff walking around. And Eddie Murphy's yeah. just kind of—is this the same montage that ends ends with him walking down the street and he walks past a couple people dressed like Michael Jackson and, and he's laughing? Yeah, I think so. Which is, I think the joke is that because Eddie Murphy. Have you ever seen Eddie, Eddie Murphy stand up? I've seen chunks of it. I've never actually um, watched one. His, I think his most famous one is Raw, which he he's wearing Michael Jackson's red leather jumpsuit, which I think that one of the guys, that's the same jumpsuit that one of the guys is wearing as the, he's walking past. And I'm actually, I almost wonder, I almost assume that they dressed up a couple of extras to dress like that so they could make that joke because you think in 1983, oh, sure. if you're walking down the street dressed like Michael Jackson and you walk past Eddie Murphy and he starts laughing at you, you think you would recognize Eddie Murphy and get the joke. But yeah, so, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Eddie Murphy's got to go eh. check shit out. Yeah, he goes to a fancy hotel in a shitty car where the the bellboy who grabs his bag from the front seat picks it up like it's full of shit. <laughs> he 
he like pay. pinches it with one finger. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Who's somebody who's paid to do that wouldn't do? Yeah. Like, it's, act it's, like an asshole and carry it like it's full of a contagious robotic plague. It's an '80s class comedy, so everyone's got to be a cartoon of themselves a little. That's bit. That's just bad customer service. You yeah. grab that with both hands. You got to show the customer you, respect and the property respect. You can't be all like, yeah. You don't think disease-riddled rock stars or movie stars come in there all the time with their gross? Also, cards? it's just a black guy in a shitty car. It's not like he's a homeless guy. He looks like he's infested with anything. It's not like you should be holding your nose while they, the, while while the, like a customer walks. Uncle Heaven, is he wearing a sweateth shirt? Exactly. I'm almost surprised they don't do that, yeah. He goes inside, and there's no reservation for him under his name. And he does his Eddie Murphy thing, lying and being charming, and oh, this is This is nine-tenths of Beverly Hills Cop, as Eddie Murphy walks into a room, has to bluff his way past white people. And that mm-hmm. is literally like the lion's share of this movie. And this is the, like this is scene one of forty-five, <laughs> where he has to do this. Is this the thing where he starts freaking about? He, he claims he has to. He he's here in town to interview Michael Jackson, and then he's. <laughs> this is actually the one time the movie gets racial, is when the the lady stonewalls him after even after the Michael Jackson thing, and suddenly he's like, oh, you guys don't want to rent to. He says a bad racial word. And that's a la- that that's the key that unlocks the situation, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, okay, you're free. You get a free room. This is one uh, for one just became like uh, unlocked. Here, go go have fun." He's charming. <laughs> you think so? No. <laughs> oh really? That's kind of what I like that he's no, not. No, I mean, fully no, 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 no. Let me rephrase. Yeah. When he's doing this shit, I'm like, it's it's uh, no thanks. I just just get a fucking regular hotel room, dude. But. I mean, he, there's no reason why you can't just be staying in a best best western on the other side of town yeah. and just drive to the crimes. You're like, yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 But anyway, I mean, um, if that's, I mean, that's the whole point of the movie is that he's he's got to be scheming. He doesn't live yeah. like everyone else. He thinks outside the box. He goes and sees his friend Jenny at art studio. <laughs> is it actually Jenny? It's Jenny. Okay, which, I thought it was Forrest does... Gump style Jenny. <laughs> Which does plenty of, oh man, isn't this art weirded out there? Can you believe Beverly Hills? Oh, it's so weird. How weird is it? Here's Cousin (laughs) Balky. You know what? Eddie Murphy already has a reputation for being problematically homophobic. Why the fuck? And considering Mm -hmm. he's in L.A., I'm surprised there's not more gay panic in this movie. There's a little bit of it. I actually thought there was going to be more eh, gross stuff but there's not really I'm kind of, that's kind of the thing where the movie i think there's more of that shit in beverly hills cop 2 but in this mm. first one so it's there is some and they're, they're making fun of how like the the art scene seems to be filled with weird gay men like because of, like balky bartakaboos uh but like i forgot because <laughs> fucking balky's character comes back he's actually a much bigger character in in beverly hills cop 3 he's an arms dealer all of a sudden in Beverly Hills Cop 3, which is a little bit of a kind of a weird career shift. So I forgot that he, because in Beverly Hills Cop 3, like he, like uh, Eddie Murphy recognized him and he was like, oh, hey, Serge. And I was like, oh, is he a character from before? So it was, I was like, oh, shit, it's the origins of that character. I can't, this, this is a crazy prequel to Beverly Hills Cop 3. Yeah, it is. Um, there's things are said between them. It's. It's erotic uh, things. It's 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 sitcom levels of dialogue. I mean, well, it's funny because you got Balky, and it's funny how this character is kind of like Balky Bartakabus 1.0. 
Like, mm-hmm. it's it's the rough draft, kind of slightly gay panic version. Because uh, I think he even says, don't be stupid. Like, it's almost like, mm. don't be ridiculous. It's almost kind of like that same kind of... You can kind of see where... How did they squeeze so many episodes of this foreign <laughs> guy not understanding America for so because long? Because that was that show on for like seven years? I mean, too I, long. I watched it. I can't pretend I didn't I watch it. I did too. Uh, but it but is I, one of those looking things. Looking back at it now, you're like, shouldn't he have figured out America at some point? Yeah, after a better part of a decade, you think you would have picked up on a couple things. Well, that's the whole TGIF formula, is that you have a sitcom based on the thinnest premise possible, and you just run that premise into the ground beyond belief. Even even yeah. compared to other sitcoms at the time, it was like, oh my god. But... So he goes and sees Jenny. She got Mikey a job. They all grew up together. Uh, yeah, I guess Jenny runs this art gallery. Mm-hmm. And that leads Axel to go see Victor Mait- Maitland. Something yeah, Victor like Maitland, which is funny because that's the name of the he's, couple. He's also her boss. Yeah, her boss. He oh, he's the rich industrial dude who actually owns the gallery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets in by saying he's delivering flowers or whatever. He lies his way in. Hey, people who are going to be villains in 80s movies, maybe it's to stop wearing karate geese suits. Yeah, karate geese, and this guy, he's got like a West German accent, or he's got, he's just, he's got the blue eyes. I mean, I know it's an 80s action comedy, but it's still just so, so chef's kiss perfect. He's wearing a <laughs> fucking, like, yeah, you're not kidding about yeah, the a geese. Gray karate but it's like, yeah. it's, it's like a Robocop gray kind of like because it's the 80s and he's corporate so everything's got to be iron gray and mm-hmm. so yeah eddie murphy i don't even know if he threatens anyone but like the dude just like looks at at, at like or he, he makes a hand gesture and suddenly like 12 guys come in and pick up eddie murphy well crap. he asks about mikey's death or whatever and he's like we're done talking now and he pushes a button and like 12 bodyguards came in you know, art dealers always have like twelve huge bodyguards just waiting to defend their boss. Exactly, it's and what also, art dealers have. Eddie Murphy doesn't also, seem to parse the fact that uh, Breaking Bad is also literally standing right next to him. He doesn't realize well, that yeah. that uh, Mikey's killer standing right next to him. Not that he yeah. would recognize because he never saw who exactly uh, shot Mikey or knocked him out. But he doesn't even yeah. seem to understand that like there's anyone else in the room. Um, yep. But, but so, he gets picked so, up and yeah, literally thrown out. Yeah, there's a door, and you think, oh, throw him out the door. <laughs> nah, throw him out the window through the door. Did they miss? I guess the idea that this guy is supposed to be so rich. Well, I also <laughs> guess this sets up how it's not quite racial, but the f- it's more class than it is race. The fact that Eddie Murphy gets chucked out the window, and then he's the one who gets arrested. And like this, and I do like how Eddie Murphy's character is not making too. He actually is legitimately pissed off in this situation. He's not like making too many jokes here. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I do like mm-hmm. the fact that he doesn't even bring up the fact that he's a cop. He's, he's just yeah. like, he doesn't explain the situation at all. And it's funny because the cops are like supermodels. They're like two Aryan fucking <laughs> youth model-looking guys. Um, which I guess this is just their way to highlight the differences between the uh, Detroit PD and the Beverly Hills PD to the fact that the, they take him back to the Beverly Hills PD and it's I guess yeah. it's LA City Hall standing in for whatever I don't know what the actual police department headquarters in and LA looks like but it's like a palace and inside apparently NASA is standing <laughs> in for the Beverly Hills Police Department it is what is this place cause it looks like we started <laughs> off building a relatively conventional police headquarters set but then suddenly went all fucking fucking Star Wars with it Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what happened was the director of this movie, Martin Brest, he was originally the guy who was supposed to direct the movie War Games, 
And I, for some reason, he got shit canned from that movie, but he always had his very specific idea. Have you ever seen War Games? No. Uh, the, the the big the big set piece thing in War Games is that like half the movie takes place in like, uh, is it NORAD? It's it's like NASA's or it's 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 the military underground bunker where they control all the like the world's like supply of missiles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess he had a very specific science fictiony idea as to what that set should look like. And I guess when he got canned from War Games, he never got a chance to use that idea, so he took all those ideas and put them into the ideas for the set for this police department. Perfect. <laughs> Just to highlight how different, I guess, it is from the she, Detroit PD, which is obviously the the, the, the Detroit uh, Police Department is just like, it looks like like in a, it's like in a fucking rundown, piss-filled high school. And whereas yeah. this place, yeah, it's literally, they've got like glowing maps and fucking <laughs> diodes and shit. It's fucking, but it's still yeah, 80s as shit. Cops aren't taking dumps on the floor. It's so weird in Beverly Hills. Yeah, like there's not, there's not just jars of urine all over the place. Uh-huh. He meets Detective Haggard and Rosewood, who's uh, Judge Reinhold, Billy Rosewood. Yeah. Haggard's Maya, because Axel didn't identify himself as a cop when the other cops showed up. Also, he's a foul-mouthed hooligan or some shit from out of town. Yeah. And they square off with each other. And well, Alex- even when the guy calls him a foul-mouthed, Eddie Murphy's only retort is, fuck you. I like he doesn't have a cute, like, there's no joke. Like, in another, if this were one of the sequels, there'd be an elaborate joke. But no, it's just this, fuck you. I, which I thought yeah. was kind of great. And then they start punching each other. Well, Hager just punches him in the gut. Oh, that's he what it is, in- yeah. He gets in trouble from RoboCop. <laughs> doing it this is the one thing i've seen this guy be in where i was like is this guy gonna turn out to be evil because he seems to be i mean it's interesting because he actually comes in and actually makes taggart or haggard whatever the guy's name is bald guy apologize to eddie murphy and so even though robocop seems to be kind of a hard ass which that's all that guy ever plays it is kind of nice to see he's on the side of uh maybe not justice but at least he's chaotic lawful good rather than yeah uh, and even yeah. Eddie Murphy seems to be a little impressed by the fact that, like, the police chief is making him, making this guy apologize to him. Yep, and he's like, you want to press charges on this asshole? And he's like, where I'm from, cops don't press charges on other cops. Yeah. Sounds good? Yeah, which, that's Yay? maybe one of the few parts where it's like, okay, maybe the Detroit PD isn't be- is a better place than the Beverly Hills. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. So he keeps claiming he's on vacation, just needs to use the bathroom, and then some random guys threw him out through a window. What the heck? They do know he's and a he, cop, though, right? Because they, yeah. they say they ran the, the, the background check, and yeah. that He's asking them why he didn't tell them he was a cop to begin with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Axel thinks they're all very... Oh, wait, for before that. The captain, <laughs> uh, the, the RoboCop, tells Axel his boss called and said, if Axel's working on that case, trying to figure it out, he better not come back to work. Yeah. And, and I Axel think he also tells- says something about how... He also, that the cops that that is uh, the Axel's boss said he was actually a pretty good police officer, but also yeah, yeah, if, yeah, if he's working very the case, promising he's young detective. That's what it was, yeah. So uh, uh, Axel says they're all very polite in that jurisdiction, and tells Hager he's a pretty good punch he's got there. And I think he says Hager he stomps his foot at the exact time he gets that first syllable. Yeah, I had to rewind that to go. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah, if that was originally not Hager because. <laughs> it does not sound like Haggard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... That's the... I, I honestly think that was... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> At yeah. least it didn't make it into the finished film. Unless we're watching an edit. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. Okay. So, 
Later, Oof, Jenny bails him out uh, for disturbing the peace or whatever yeah. he was in the jailhouse for, and tells him about her boss. He's been the top dot art dealer in town for ten years or whatever. He's above All... reproach. Why would he ever do anything bad? Mm-hmm. Why? Every trustworthy law-abiding citizen has twelve bodyguards to throw men out. <laughs> Seriously. Also, I just realized her car is the red car that Eddie Murphy's sitting on on the Beverly Hills Cop movie poster. Just throwing that out there. I just realized mm. that now we're a wall. We're watching it. Also, cops are following them very poorly. Of staying, it's <laughs> yeah. just doing a shit job of staying hidden. So once they get back to the hotel and he, they go up to his room. Axel sends down some room service to them because they're outside in their car. And a Mater D actually out. does come out with like a silver platter and like gives them mm -hmm. room service. It's not just like they come out with like a go-to bag or a to-go bag. Yeah. It's like yeah, here's here's like fifty dollars worth of like actually fancy silverware to go with your food. Yep. And also that that would make the uh, the uh, Room less less than six hundred dollars a night because he ordered probably I don't know a hundred. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, of, uh, yeah. Room service. Uh, so uh, then he while they're dealing with the food, uh, he goes and gets some bananas from Damon Wayan, <laughs> which is actually becomes a little bit for tradition because I know Beverly Hills Cop too. Uh, he runs into Chris Rock for two seconds. And so it's weird because it's like almost intentionally a thing of like, hey, we're going to have someone in this movie who's going to be way more famous in like two years. Yeah. Is he also credited as Banana Man? <laughs> no, I think he's actually literally Garbage <laughs> garbage Truck Man or something like that. Mm. But yeah, it's but it's Damon Wayans doing the most gay panic. Like, oh, hello, I'm in. I'm a black man in oh, L.A., so I've got to be. Would you like buying, buying bananas? And be, be? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Axel goes outside, and while they're distracted with the food, shoves some bananas in their tailpipe. Which, this is the car. one thing about the movie I knew. Did you ever see the Clerks cartoon from back in the day? No. They make a whole parody of this scene, and I didn't. I had mm. never seen this, so I don't know what the hell was going on, but yeah. And then that they, him and Jenny leave in her car, and they give chase, but the car goes... <laughs> and yeah. dies because bananas. As, as it's like too much potassium <laughs> overload. Oh no, too many vitamins. Um, <laughs> I've always heard about the banana scene. Aside from even the clerks thing, the one most referenced thing from this movie I've, I've ever heard of, aside from the actual F theme, that every time, mm -hmm. that plays pretty much incessantly throughout the whole film. The only other thing I ever heard about this movie was the banana and the tailpipe scene. And so mm -hmm. I was expecting some crazy mayhem and no, he literally just puts a banana in the tailpipe and the guy starts up the car and turn, it goes two feet and stops and that's it. I thought the car was yep. going to like, the tailpipe was going to explode or something like it was going to turn into a thing, but no, that's it. And I'm like, well, okay movie. Thank you for being from 1984. I should. It's not the movie's fault, but just from yeah, it couldn't live up to its own legacy. But anyway, yeah, John, Judge Reinhold looks back and says, "This is the second time today I've had a banana in my tailpipe," and boo, winks at Haggard. Boo. You shut up! I just I worked hard on thinking of that right now. <laughs> I like Judge Reinhold. Oh god, He's have you ever fine. seen Fast Times from Ridgemont High? No. Oh man, you should do that because if you want me to freak out about Judge Reinhold for a while. I mean, that's the, that's the one with Phoebe Cates all topless, too. But anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. Anyhow. Um, something, something. They, yeah, uh, Jenny and uh, Axel decide to go check out what the shipping the, the, the shipping facility that the, the yeah. art gallery uses. He finds coffee grounds. How suspicious. Yeah. And he doesn't say why. He's just like, coffee grounds, huh? Then some guys come in in a van. They open it up the door to the van. Get a box out. Put that box on a table. 
take some uh, bonds out of it, put those in a bag, pick the box back up, and take it to the van. Why couldn't they have done all that in the van? <laughs> Why did they have to bring you know, that inside? The audience needs to have a physical example of exactly. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Because, was because, no because, to because bring they're that in a movie inside. where the audience needs to see all this happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. God. Yeah. And now, this message. Eddie Murphy is a Detroit cop. vacation in Beverly Hills. I just got off the phone with an Inspector Todd in Detroit. He says if you're out here investigating the Tandino murder, you needn't bother coming back. I don't want to take it anymore. I... For a man who claims to be on vacation, you look a lot like you're on a stakeout. Stakeout? No, no. I'm picnicking. This is like a picnic area. I have to ask you some questions about Michael Tandino. I've never been to a cell that had a phone in it. Can I stay for a while because I ordered some pizza? We have six witnesses that say you broke in and started tearing up the place, then jumped out the window. May I help you? Yeah. I'm looking for Victor Meadman. I've nothing to say to you. How you doing? You guys don't know nothing about nothing, do you? You just got your badges and your guns and you're on the job, right? Make sure we get the right drinks, because my drink club sold out. Throw up. You know, this is the cleanest and nicest police car I've ever been in in my life. This thing's nice in my apartment. I just bet you are the pride of your department in Detroit. It seems painfully obvious you haven't the slightest idea who you're dealing with. I don't know what y'all think I am, killing some kind of fool. Hurry up, quicker! Crawl back to your little stone in Detroit before you get Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> so they give chase. Uh, while they do that, the cops are getting scolded for having bananas in their tailpipe. Also, the other cops that are there, the other two detectives, are really hilarious because they spent some time gluing a banana to some glasses. Did they have that prop laid around already? Did they make it? Uh, you Is know that what, what this, this precinct considers funny? Too? Oh, there's actual nostrils in the banana part. Like, they cut out, like, someone had to really craft that thing. I wonder <laughs> if someone just happened to find that banana eyeglass thing in a, in a joke store two years before the movie came out. So maybe they, mm. maybe the whole justification for this movie existing was they were trying to figure out a movie that they could plug that joke into just so, so, so they could make use of these $2 novelty glasses they found in a joke shop somewhere. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, that scene goes on forever. Like, the way I this think... movie's paced, it's 1984 mm -hmm. as fuck. Yeah, they follow the van to a bonded a warehouse, a customs warehouse, bonded stuff. Goes something, in something, whatever. yeah. 
Alex sends Jenny home, sneaks in, poses as a custom agent, demanding to see papers and shit, and being a real jerk. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a, this is one of the few things where, like, security guard is really trying to do his job, and then Axel Foley really has to run hard over him to, like, he starts, I mean, this is kind of the, the, the one of Axel Foley's biggest defenses is, like, outrage, and if someone asks a justifiable question, like, do you have ID, he starts getting more angry and stuff like that, and this, I, this is one of the things we're watching this movie, is like, man, think about all the poor people who lost their jobs as a result of, like, Eddie Murphy's actions in this movie, all these people doing their legitimate jobs, but because he was just so incessantly fucking with them, to, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he's solving a crime, but his friend's dead, I don't know, I just, but that's not the hair there, but anyway, so, but yeah, he's looking know. for evidence at the warehouse. Yeah, and uh, so then later, after all that's done, Axel pops into the cop's car, detective car, because they're back there waiting for him to get back. Do you know what evidence, what more evidence he finds at the warehouse once he once he bluffs his way in? I don't something something. It, the, the, so, the mystery's not that complicated. He just sees bonds going in and out. Yeah, it just more. Know. He just sees stuff. He just, he sees things <laughs> happening, but he he doesn't get any evidence that he could take back to show anyone. So this becomes an issue very soon where. He's piecing together this puzzle, but uh, he can't. He doesn't. He can't. He doesn't have anything concrete to show anyone that he yeah. can use to press charges against Leland or whatever the yeah. guy's name, Maitland. Yeah. Uh, he pops into the cop's car and tries to make nice. I guess. <laughs> I feel like he and... just dumps jumps into the back seat. Yeah. Uh, I know mm-hmm. these cops all become friends because they they're all best buddies in the sequel, and so it was kind of funny to see them like bonding for the first time in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And he, uh, he uh, invites them to go to drink with him, but they can't because they don't drink on duty. And he says not to worry about it. He knows a nice conservative place, and it's a strip club. And it's a titty also bar. in the '80s, known as how to get titties in your movie if you don't have any other choices. So many fucking cop movies where random scene that takes place in the titty bar just because yeah, how else you're gonna squeeze tons of naked titties in your movie? And mm-hmm. I do like the fact, like, yeah, Eddie Murphy, he's being cute and funny, but he's not being, like, super crazy zany, where he's just like, yeah, like, you guys are gonna follow me anyway, so I'm just gonna go to this titty bar, so instead of you just watching me from, like, half a room away, why don't we just all hang out and talk, we can communicate, we're all, we're all on the same side here, so yeah, that's when they're suddenly at the titty bar, and they are talking, and he's buying them drinks and stuff like that, and he's given uh, Judge Reinhold dollar bills to shove in the dancer's uh, G-strings, and... Uh, he's... Talking about Judge Reinhold's boner. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I'm off duty, I can get a boner, but yeah. Um, and then he's showing Taggart, like, he's got coffee grounds. That's the only physical evidence he's being able to bring back is the coffee grounds he found at the warehouse. Yep. Yeah. But then two guys in suspicious trench coats come in and start looking all suspicious. And Eddie Murphy's, his, his cop dar goes off, and he's like, oh, this is suspicious. Walk on so he tells he, he tells Haggard about it. He's like, "Go look at that guy. I'm gonna go look at that guy." Yeah, cover that guy while I'm gonna go fuck with this guy. Yeah. And the no, guy, like, the guy it. Eddie Murphy goes to fuck with, looks like fucking Will Forte with a bad yellow blonde wig on. Mm. I thought this was gonna be part of. I thought these were assassins sent by the bad guy. No, but just no. a couple of jerk offs. Yeah, they're just a couple jag offs in in trench coats with shotguns that are just there to rob the place. Yep. And you know what you want to do? You want to rob a place where there's a bunch of bouncers, even though there's none of the bouncers make any kind of appearance. This is why you don't hear about anyone robbing strip clubs, because, well, everyone's got, like, flush with, like, dollar bills for the dancers. Like, there's bouncers and shit, like, and they're probably armed. And so yeah. this is, yeah, that that's why strip clubs, yeah, anyway. I guess maybe in L.A. that's different. Yeah. 
So, uh, um, but yeah, they foil the robbery and yeah, yeah, heroes. Yeah, shotguns are pulled. Alex could have been easily killed, but manages to get the gun away. Haggard stops the other one. At the station, Alex gives a story about how the cops were just doing their job waiting outside, but they saw some suspicious guys follow him in because he was going to get a drink because he's on vacation. Blah, blah, blah. He covers their asses. I guess... Robocop's like, is that true? And they're like, no, it wasn't like that. Because they play things by the book. This is one of those things where, like, again, because judging by 2019 standards, this isn't much of anything. But reading up about the making of this film, people have talked about this is, like, the famous super cop scene. Where Eddie mm. Murphy, like, he really, like, he really explodes and, like, his, 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 uh, what do you call when you make shit up on the fly that I can't think of right now? Improv. His improv skills here are just beyond reproach. He's, he's on fire in the scene. And I'm like, mm. no, he, I mean, I guess maybe the scene is still mostly improv, but, like, judging from these days, he's just, like, he's talking up these guys, and he's like, oh, these guys, they're so good, they're super cops, they should have capes. But it's funny yeah. to see, well, like, 2019 standards, it's just a cute, it's a cute little scene, the fact that he's trying to, like, puff up these guys to, to their CO and mm -hmm. try to give them credit, but, like... It is, but it's not like people making this seem like it's this gemstone of the film, one of the highlights of '80s comedy. And like watching it fresh, for like you know, fresh eyes in 2019, I'm just like, it's just a scene in the movie. But just seeing people yeah. online treat it like it's the super cop scene, it's like it's hmm. the Death Star trench run or something like that of comedy. I'm like, it's, it's okay. And I guess there's a famous anecdote. I guess Eddie Murphy, uh, he never wanted to like take drugs or anything like that in the '80s, but. They did. He let, did let himself have a sip of coffee or something like that before they shot this scene, and so it's famously the super cop uh, monologue was driven by this like one little cup of coffee that he had. And I'm like, this is not like the most astounding yeah. bit of improv yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. and again, yeah. compared yeah. to other Eddie Murphy stuff from later films and stuff like this, this ain't shit. But by 1984 standards, people were like, oh my god. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. So anyhow. Anywho. Uh... Hey, hoozy woozy, that happens. And then, so those guys get taken off the case, and the banana asshole cops get put on it, following him now. God, they're gonna this do is, it. why do these characters even exist? I know that they're supposed to be less interesting than the, than the two cops that Eddie Murphy's been hanging out with a little bit, but, like, they are so blandly vanilla assholes. There's, there's, yeah. there's like, baby Reggie Phil Philome. And there's just other generic white guy, and they're just like non-entities in the film. I don't even know why they're. they're just, it's like padding out the runtime of the film just to even have them show up. Yeah. So and then later he he takes off from the hotel. Axel does, and they follow. Yeah. And he just sits through the cycle of a light until it's red, and then he drives through the red light, and that's all it takes to lose these assholes. Seriously, yeah. Great cops, good cops, guys. Don't they still follow him though? Cause like uh, he's. Eddie Murphy's driving no, to. No, he's gone. Uh, but doesn't don't they all end up? Is... Oh, they 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 originally talked to him outside of. The That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because and this is establishing this that. is the location that the whole end of the yeah. movie is going to take place at. Yeah, that's the only reason why I wanted to point that out. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But yeah, he loses and... them at the traffic light, which seems to be the most basic thing that they should, could have been able to anticipate. Mm-hmm. No. Axel goes to fancy banquet hall where the bad guys have breakfast yeah. and cons his way in, doing another one of his fun ways of getting in. Wacky characters. Yeah, he just he puts on a crazy voice. Oh, he, this this is probably the other big 
the, the most gay panic scene in the thing because he's he's like I've gotta I've gotta tell Alphonse that uh, he fucked Larry that he's got. I'm almost surprised they don't make an AIDS joke because he's talking about mm. he's pretending to be a gay guy who just got like a diagnosis for like hypochlamydia ten, and he's got to go tell uh, the bad guy and. The, the Mater D's all like, uh, at first he's like, well, you, you give me the message and I'll give it to him. And when Eddie Murphy starts making this joke about how he's got this infectious disease, the guy's like, okay, you should go tell him. I'm not getting involved, you know. Mm. So he goes over there, Breaking Bad gets in his face and tries to punch him, but Axel just throws him on the ground or whatever. Yeah. And then Breaking Bad's talks. not very good at his job. No. And then, uh... He throws him across the banquet table, and, and then he sits down to talk about to Maitland and lays the shit out and saying he thinks he had Mike killed or whatever. Again, and Maitland's all evil about it and is like, you don't know who you're dealing with. Yeah. <sighs> I do love Eddie Murphy. He's just like, I'm going to find out what's going on, and I'm going to fuck you up. And it's not a joke, and he's not like wisecrack. Again, if this scene was like they've done this same scene in later films, where he's all being mm -hmm. like, is like making a big production. No, he's just like generally just like pissed off and wants to fuck this guy up, and he tells him that. I thought it was actually kind of nice. It's just like uh, it's yeah. it's relatively low key. Um, yeah. But yeah. So the cops show up because he was disturbing the peace, and he gets arrested and taken away. Yeah. It's pretty much a reenaction of what happened before, but with cops instead of private security, and he just gets yeah. escorted out rather than thrown out through a window. But yeah, yeah. At the cop station, the Axel lays out everything he knows to the cops because they want to know why he keeps being a, a dingus yeah. and is smuggling a bonds through customs or whatever. And the coffee grounds that you usually use to hide drugs from dogs and bleeble blobble blue blue bleeble yeah it's and actually not that complicated it's just like they're smuggling no. and the coffee grounds is yeah the the, the mask yeah. is sent from dogs and that's it but that's not enough circumstantial proofs to get a warrant and they don't do things without a warrant in beverly hills dang nabbit what an upside down topsy-turvy world in the 80s <laughs> you mean the constitution works the same for everybody you know in all states rather than just yeah well <laughs> well alex is like would you circumvent the war they're like no 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 that's it is funny how he is just like yeah no fuck the law and they're like you know we are the law and it is kind of yeah. like uh yeah this is not gonna work yeah although it does seem it's... to be uh robocop is he seems to he seems to believe actually Axel Foley, they can't act on it because he has no evidence, yeah. but it's not like everyone's just, like, disregarding what he's saying out of pocket, but, yeah. But there's nothing they but can look, do because he has no evidence, yeah. Yeah, but look out. Oh, Mr. God, Fuck that yeah. Asner. And uh, their son is coming in the room, and he's a he's a big bad boss. He's the chief captain or whatever. And he grumpy. <laughs> he meets with Robocop, and Axel now has to be escorted out of town or whatever. Yeah. And, by Billy, and then you know, he can easily go to his hotel, pack stuff, and get out of town. This guy pretty much just shows up to be a plot complication because cops could do that. It, it, the funny thing is, it seems like the, the Axel Foley and all the Beverly Hills cops were on the were on the cusp of having an almost interesting conversation about how they could work together in some way that wouldn't circumvent the law to bust this case open. And right when that seems to be like that's how the conversation is about to be headed, yeah, this asshole shows up and just says, oh, no, we're just going to throw him out. Yeah, it literally escorted yeah. him to the city limits. And this mm -hmm. is, he pretty much threatens to end the whole movie right here. Because apparently it's an old west movie I, where yeah, yeah. wandering strangers can get kicked out of town. Were they supposed to train their guns on him to make sure he doesn't walk back into town? Like, how the hell? 
Yeah, that's one of those things where I'm like, I don't think that's. Well, they wrong. say that your your misdemeanor charges are dropped, but if you come back in that's town, ooh, they'll be pulled back on you. Which, can, uh, yeah, it's can a little. You, I, now this might be a silly question. Maybe it's obvious. I don't know. Can you do that? Can you drop charges and then reinstate them like that? Yeah, I mean, would they have to like fake like another? Would they have to throw them through another window to drum up another new pair of charges? Because wouldn't that be like a constant fear well, if that, charges were dropped well, and then they're like, nah, we changed your mind. That's double jeopardy, right? Like, you can't... Like, I don't... Yeah, no, that's, that's if you, you're you found innocent of something. Yeah. You can't be convicted. Well, that's what I'm wondering if that would also like work where, where if, like, tra- charges are dropped. Like, if you suddenly get pissed off at that person you just dropped uh, charges against, like, seven years later, you can't just suddenly say, okay, when I dropped charges against this person who were doing something against me seven years ago, I'm, I'm going to reinstate state those charges from that original incident incident now you can't yeah. do that and it doesn't matter if it's seven years or seven hours like yep. yeah yeah it's weird but it's it's a, so, it's beverly hills cop you're not supposed to be thinking about it that much but it is still kind of like <laughs> yeah oh okay whatever well it's also an 80s cop exactly movie. yeah where uh, people who the people who wrote 80s cops movie were like i think this is how it works they were fucking hairdressers and shit they they, they, they knew nothing <laughs> more about true. the law than we do so yeah um, yeah, which so, actually says a lot uh, that maybe they shouldn't have done a better job. But, yeah. yeah. Billy, Judge Reinhold, is escorting him out of town, but Axel convinces him to take him to see Jenny because he wants to blow this case wide open or whatever, and there's another shipment of drugs coming in, and he has a feeling or something. And it takes Billy, like, a good 20, 30 seconds of being convinced to go along with this. Yeah. It, it always seems like Billy's kind of like the child, where he's... I, he seems to always want to do the good thing, so it doesn't take a lot to convince him to, like, he's he's willing to put his job at risk if it means doing the right thing. So yeah, he's he's yeah, he's, so. he's definitely seems to be the youngest person in the cast, but he's he's the the most well-meaning though. Yeah. Yeah, he takes her him to see Jenny because they need her warehouse key, even though he's proven that he's not above below or above however you want to put it. Yeah, he's like, literally got like a lockpicking kit later when they're trying to get into maintenance yeah. place. So I don't know. What, yeah. And and uh, being, despite being able to talk anybody into anything, Jenny's like, I'm going. And he says, no, it's dangerous. And she says, I'm going. And he said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you doing, Axel? This is also, you know there's going to be guns and drugs and shit. Yeah. Don't let her come. And it's also, like, I don't understand why this character even exists in this movie. Originally, I thought it was kind of cool that, like... Oh, like, well, I guess, like, I guess they wanted to have a pretty rich white blonde lady in this movie just to show that, like, oh, anyone can be friends with Eddie Murphy. He doesn't have to be a threat to a pretty white lady, because I know that's Mm. always a thing with Hollywood where it's like, oh, like, and I, but reading about the history of this movie, I guess originally she was supposed to be the love interest for the actual Foley character back when it was supposed to be played by Sylvester Stallone or whoever the hell else they were hoping to have this be a... Uh, a vehicle for an action star uh, for, but I guess when they got Eddie Murphy involved, they were like, we can't have a black guy dating a white lady, so we're just gonna have, make her the platonic best friend. Which, which is I was gross, like, but at the same time, I, I I did actually like the fact they didn't try to put them in a relationship. That, well, that's what I said. I thought it was actually kind of nice. I like that they're nice. just friends. Even if it was just a show, I thought it was, okay, I thought originally it was only for slightly racist reasons, just to show, oh, okay, yeah. hey, he could be friends with anybody. But, like, no, it just turns out actually the filmmakers are just Reese's Peace. Yeah, so, yeah, anyway. But, no, not filmmakers. Or the studio, uh, whatever. No, in the movie, the filmmakers are always good at heart. Hollywood's uh-huh. run by love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. 
But now, so, so now go, she just exists go, to be like this, like of course to be kidnapped. She's the Princess Peach at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah. they go to the warehouse and they tell Judge Ryan Hall he got to stay in the car because he's a cop. And if he goes in there without probable cause, ooh, they're gonna be trouble. Yeah. So his job <gasps> is just to sit outside and watch everyone else get kidnapped. And let, mm-hmm. and let the kidnappers see him, a cop, watching them do it, and they don't stop kidnapping them later. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... They go inside, yeah. open up a crate, find some coffee grounds. Underneath the coffee ground, there's drugs, but oh, there's also people with guns. Yeah. And, Watch, uh, why the people so... with guns let them, like, bust open one of their containers and, like, slice into the, some of their cocaine? Why just stick the guns, like... Why do they wait till it fucked up their shipment a little bit? Like, even aside from... I don't know. I don't know. I always wonder about that so, movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. So they do that. And then the, the, the art dealer bad guy shows up and and um, scolds everybody for getting into his business or whatever. Is disappointed in Jenny. And then he, he takes her for reasons that is unclear. Yeah, he, he just, just take, kidnaps he's her. He's Bowser okay. and Princess Peach. That's all it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, they leave. Yeah. And fucking Rosewood's outside. He watches them speed away. But he doesn't do yep. anything. But, like, no, no one seems to recognize that, like, literally, Judd Reinhold Ryan- is parked at the end of the driveway that everyone's in watching them. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's the weird, yeah. Breaking Bad says he wished he had killed Alex when he had the chance back at Detroit where he killed Mikey. Oh, oh no. And then he slaps him around some and they leave yeah. Alex to his fate. And outside, Billy finally builds up the guts to go inside after watching everybody come in and out and not getting involved. He goes inside where Alex is getting bunches of punches, and he yells, Hey, freeze! And then he gets shot at, but then he kills the guy who had knocked Alex out back. He does make a little bit of a face after he kills the guy, which I thought was... It's not a big moment or anything like that, but he seems to be kind of like, Oh, fuck, what did I do? And then, But then the rest Mm -hmm. of the movie happens, but I thought it was kind of nice to give... I'm sure that's not wasn't a thing the filmmakers did. That was just Judge Ryan Holt just throwing in a quick character beat of like, Oh, fuck, but yeah. Yeah. And then Alex fights off the other two guys, and... Alex. Off... Uh, or Alex? Axel. I don't actually call it Axel. Axel is such a weird name. That, like, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, they give chase. Oh, and then Billy radios to tell Hager to check out the warehouse. Hager tells the other two cops to go check it out. The other two detective dinguses. And only report to him. And the baseline tells me things are escalating. Yeah, because it's all like, yeah. I think it's probably just Axel F still playing over and over again. You know what kills me? This movie. That they that they could have used that baseline more in this movie. <laughs> I don't think there was room. The only part of the movie that either. they don't use it is when they're playing the neutron dance by the Pointer Sisters at the start of the film during the truck chase. Which that's that's the one song I knew from this film other than the, the actual F theme. And for a movie that was such a big pop hit, I thought it was kind of funny that it's only used in the opening chase scene while Eddie Murphy's just getting thrown around the back of a truck, not doing anything. And yeah. like you think, if anything, that would be at least over the end credits or over like the like this like this like the the, the action scene at the end of the movie. But no, it just yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No. So um, they go to the house. And, and this is when Eddie Hager- Murphy breaks out the the lock picking kit because they're trying to break into Maitland's yep. mansion. Hager shows up and is like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm going to save Jenny. She kidnapped in there." And he's like, oh, "Okay." And they all go in together, but Hager gets a shotgun before he do. Yeah, which is kind of nice to show he's a little because he's been a clown the whole movie, so it's nice to see he's a little bit of a badass. Uh, one interesting thing too, all this, the whole end of the movie only works because 
1984 standards, they have a completely magical GPS tracking system for all the cars, yeah. which I guess didn't ex- really exist at the time. But these days, we just take it for granted that this stuff can kind of happen. For 1984, people point out, like, no, this is just a plot sheet that was invented yeah. by the screenwriters that did just hey, happen to know, become a thing. You don't know what it's like at Beverly Hills. It's no, that's a true, wonder, too. magical ba- <laughs> wonderland over there. They've been using Star Trek transporters since 1995, but they just haven't mm-hmm. bothered to tell the rest of the world yet. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, they, they, when they go through the door, the side door, the house, the alarm is tripped, and now the baddies are aware. Axel's running around the grounds, and yeah. Robocop tries to figure out where his employees He's are. He's using the GPS on all the cars to figure out everyone's heading to Maitland's place. And there's a yeah. whole thing where Eddie Murphy, yeah, he's skulking around the grounds. He, like, silently motions to Rosewood and Taggart to, like, give him cover. Oh, I'm just giving you a, the music. I know, but yeah. But anyway, so Rosewood and Taggart, they suddenly realize that there's a wall. And instead of just going to find another way to the mansion, they spend 20 minutes trying to climb up a wall. And then they finally climb over the wall. And when they climb over the wall, the wall magically changes to a different kind of wall. This this whole end of the movie has a lot of weird continuity, weird, weird mistakes. But then uh, I think dudes with Uzi show up and start shooting at everyone, and then the gunfight for the whole rest of the movie takes place. And Eddie Murphy's doing like ducks and rolls, and he brought one tiny gun with three bullets in it. <laughs> I forget what actually happens. The rest. I could just narrate. I'm watching it now. I can just like. No, and then Judge right. Reinhold he shoots that I just guy. Just wanted to see how long it would take before you. And broke. that guy has an Uzi. And there's a third guy with him. so. so what, it's kind of funny though because we were making fun of how kind of chintzy the, the action scene because there's literally like only three bad guys involved in the gunfight at the end. Yeah. Like three guys with the same three Uzis. And which, mm-hmm. if I could see this, how if this had been like a Schwarzenegger or a Stallone movie, this would be much more of a like a, a commando kind of thing, where like armies of bad guys and explosions. And this is just very kind of hey. tiny little gunfights over and over again. Why do these fools try to sneak just out in the open all the time? Yeah, that's yeah. I don't <laughs> like know. Like hunched over, but running across, not running, moseying across the yard, and then the bad guys shoot at their feet. Eddie if Murphy, they had taken two seconds to aim, yeah. they, all these guys would have been dead a dozen well, times. Eddie Murphy himself, he's actually doing a little bit of a ducking rolling. There's actually one bit where he jumps off a porch and does a duck and roll, where he magically turns into a, uh, a stunt guy that looks nothing like him when he hits the ground. <laughs> but like, yeah, Eddie Murphy is kind of doing all these like. Uh, fucking Quincy Taggart from uh, Galaxy Quest just random rolls for no reason and yeah even though he's got the other guys right next to him and they're not rolling and they're surviving okay too but like I guess they would just want to show that Axel Foley's a little more physically active yeah. but yeah just Uzi's just gunshots all over the place Robocop sends tons of cops to that address Alex goes inside the building he gets in a firefight with Breaking Bad shenanigans happen outside it's supposed dialogue, to be this whatever. tense cat and mouse game between Breaking Bad and Axel Foley but it's just no. kind of, it, it, because it's 1984 and they hadn't really mastered this yet, it's just kind of, just random people looking around you, empty rooms for five minutes. You know what would have helped Breaking Bad out in this situation? What's that? A crocheted chainmail vest. <laughs> he didn't get impaled through a metal pipe. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, that didn't help that guy from, that was Commando too, right? Yeah, yeah so. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's that about the same vintage as this movie? Um, yeah, maybe Alex that's... kills Breaking Bad. Yeah, and the most there's not any interesting way. He just like gets the jump on Breaking Bad. I think jumping Breaking Bad gets like a shotgun blast off and still manages to miss Axel Foley. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yep. Well, all the bad guys in this are terrible yeah. names. Oh yeah, we're getting to so, the worst one coming up. Yeah, and he get Axel gets shot in the arm. But yeah, the guy 
just got by a the giant art dealer. fucking can cannon. And Sh- Axel goes, oh, I got post a red post. Shouldn't paint this on it. fool be fleeing the country right now? Yeah. Well, it's funny because his, his his underlings are trying to escape. There's a couple guys who suddenly they they, they they see what's going on. They jump into a van and try to escape. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like they get fucked up by the cops. Like there's like literally like twenty cop cars all try like in a daisy chain trying to get into the driveway, and, they, yeah. and the first cop car crashes into the van that the the the, 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 the henchmen are trying to steal, and it creates this whole thing where all the cop cars just kind of slam at each other in the driveway. It's like, yeah, it's it's just I guess it's just random action for action sakes. Yep. Yeah, dozens and dozens of cops show up. Axel finds Maitland holding Jenny hostage. Robocop comes in and says, Fweeze! And then Jenny elbows that guy. Yeah. And he gets out, and she gets out of the way. He shoots at the cops, and he just gets peppered with bullets. He just gets fucking... For being... Yeah. Blown a away. A huge drug mogul. He is really, really dumb. Yeah, no, not exactly the greatest uh, criminal mastermind in an 80s action movie ever. That's for damn sure. Um, and then Mr. Magoo and Ed Asner's love baby shows up, and he says, <laughs> What the heck's going on? And Robocop makes up a story just like Alex did earlier. Yeah, and he that's... looks at Hager and he says, Is that what happened? Because he's made it all sound like it was by the books. And instead of saying, Well, here's what actually happened like he did earlier in the movie, he's like, Yeah, that's true. Well, because Taggart was the first one to, uh, to, to tear, tear down Axel Foley's made up story before, but now he's learned his lesson mm-hmm. to go along with Robocop's new uh, fake story. And then fucking Mr. Magoo's all like, oh, that's good. I'm glad you're telling the truth. And that's the end yeah. of the movie, practically. That's like that's well, how everything wraps yep. up. And Axel checks out of a hotel, but the cops show up, uh, Haggard and, and Billy, and they're like, put it on the police tab. Which, that's fucked up. He... That's a criminal <laughs> abuse of taxpayer funds. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus he Christ. buys them robes. Yay. Yay. And they're, gonna, they're there to make sure he gets escorted out of town. He's like, hey, we should go for a drink first. But they say they're on duty, and Haggard says, One bear won't kill us. One bad apple is slowly poisoning the whole <laughs> whole batch. Yeah. Uh, by uh, Alex. police by uh, police academy four. By fucking <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop Four, it, like that guy's that character's dead of alcoholism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alex gets in his the car and says, I know a great place. It'll be great. Trust me. And it freezes in the dead. Good ending joke? That's the joke that you go out on? And to the <laughs> point that, like, when we first started this chat, before we started recording for the podcast, though, Daniel was still mm-hmm. wrapping up the last three minutes of the movie, and he waited to see if there's something at the end credits, and that's exactly what I did, too. Just, not that they had, not that the 1980s movies were much for end credit stingers, but, like, that is such, like, a random, terrible joke to end the movie with. You wonder if it's you, gonna show you, them at the, at, at the new... Yeah. Yeah, at the... Shouldn't have the, gone somewhere? And then, like, no, that's just it. That's it's just okay, and that's how you end one of the... Shouldn't they have been, like, eating Damon Wayne's bananas or, or something? something? Yeah, because it seems like it's going to lead to a joke with the punchline later, but, yeah, that second boot never drops. No. And you know what the thing that fucked me up, too, is uh, because I've, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of Beverly Hills Cop 2, I know the uh, second movie starts with Axel Foley's, you know, he's, he's back being a cop in uh, Detroit, but for some reason he's suddenly rich. He's running around mm-hmm. in like a Ferrari Testarossa in the in in the second at the beginning of the second movie without any explanation. So I thought at the end of this movie he would get some kind of reward and get money, and you would see him buying the car that he has at the start of Beverly Hills Cop 2. But no, I guess just randomly, I guess he's such a good cop in Detroit now at the start of the second movie that he can afford like this fucking fancy ass car. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, that's Beverly Hills Cop. 
-hmm. What'd you think? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it was, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's, it's always kind of been lauded as this huge comedic thing or whatever, yeah. but it's not. Um, I yeah. I didn't think it was funny. It was a fine, like, 80s cop movie, but it wasn't funny. You know, the ultimate irony is someday when I finally actually do get around to doing The Devil Wears Prada, we're going to be more entertained by that than we were by this. Maybe. Yeah, and we, we, despite me thinking this is going to be the thing that we'd be most entertained by out of uh, the three options we had. But, yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 actually, like I said, I kind of appreciate the fact that Eddie Murphy is not quite so much of a cartoon character in this movie, and the movie's a bit more grounded and paced. Uh, mm -hmm. is so slow and kind of dopey. I kind of like that. It's such a relic, but it's also mm -hmm. not that great. Yeah. No. It's entertaining. It's, I'm glad to have seen it just for the sake of, hey, I saw Eddie Murphy's first best biggest uh, thing that he's never really never lived up to since then, I guess. But, um, yeah, that's, but that's it. That's the highlight of his career. That's kind of depressing a little bit, I guess. <laughs> is it? I don't, I guess. Or, or is that what you consider the highlight of his career? Oh, the heat is on. Oh, I forgot that song. Well, I mean, just from, I think it's probably the most financially successful thing he's ever been a part of. Mm. It's definitely not the Haunted Mansion. Um, no. God, I forgot they did the Haunted Mansion. They wasted that opportunity to do something good. I know they hey, keep on... And it, if there's one thing we know about Disney, it's that they will never uh, <laughs> rehash a movie they've done Never before. again. Yeah. Nope. Um, yeah, why are they not remaking uh, the fucking Black Cauldron? Talk about a movie that could actually benefit from a remake, but... I don't know. But yeah, that's Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know. I, I, I might sit down and watch a bit of bit more of Beverly Hills Cop two to see if that might be justification. I think that's a better. I think there, that's more of an actual action. I think that's more of the pace that we would expect uh, from a movie like this. But I don't know if that'll be enough to justify us doing a whole episode just about Beverly Hills Cop two. But I know there's there's more crazy stars that show up in that movie than this thing. But. Uh, yeah. Does it have, uh, I only have one piece, but fantastic IMDb trivia. Oh, no. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, no. Oh, where? Look closely. <laughs> you will see that Victor Mayland has practically no eyebrows. What? what? One of one found this interesting. <laughs> one other person in the world saw that. They're like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta upvote that. I gotta save that. That's definitely gold star to that person. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. What? Whoa! Oh no, this one's great too. In this movie, Lisa Elfberg plays Bronson Pinchot's boss. Yeah. In Ten to Midnight, she plays Charles Bronson's daughter. <laughs> How are those related? Fuck if I know. Is it because it's Bronson Pinchot and then Charles Bron like it's just the name Bronson's involved? <laughs> I guess. What? I don't know. <laughs> Man. I know, I know, uh, my brother, my brother and me, like, kind of turned Yahoo Answers into kind of like a stellar, s celebrated worst part of the internet, but I can't, mm -hmm. I'm shocked that no one's done, like, a popular podcast just driven by the stupidest there parts of the IMDb there's, trivia pages. There's so many. Oh my god. So many podcasts, there's bound to be one out there. <laughs> well, that's why a uh, successful podcast, because I'm sure oh, someone's out yeah. there, but, like, it lasted yeah. an episode and a half. Not like our successful uh, podcast that's lasted 200 well, plus know, episodes. I mean, it, that's a, f I just don't know how you'd create a whole podcast around IMDb trivia. Man, you could really... Pretty much any movie, you could find something stupid in there to talk about. Just like... Oh, you know what? I wonder if you could actually track which bits of trivia were submitted by which people. And then 
I mean, you should look. <laughs> you should look up to see if there's like a name attached to whoever submitted that eyebrow trivia. No, I don't see. Anything. Oh, really? Because that was yeah. Because no. like I know you could do that with the Amazon reviews. Well, people have made like there's a whole. I follow a whole Twitter account that's just highlighting the stupidest Amazon reviews out there. But with Amazon reviews, they like you. You can actually click through people's accounts and look back and see. Oh, this person just consistently leaves insane reviews for everything. Like that's not just a one-off goof someone did, but like, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a shame there's not something like that for IMDb trivia, because IMDb trivia is so fucking stupid. It's fucking... No. Yeah, oh, my God. No. How dare you? Anyway. Yeah, it's Beverly Hills Cop 1. 1. Yeah, 20. Yeah, like, yeah everyone talks... I, I guess Beverly Hills Cop 2 is the more known one, so that's... But, but yeah, we have any closing words or thoughts about that movie? Not really. Have you ever seen... I'm, I was just glad it wasn't as homophobic and racist as I thought it was going to be. That's... The, when that's... Well, yeah. I... Yeah, that's... I, I, when that's the best thing you can say about a movie, maybe that movie wasn't that great, but at least it wasn't. Ellie, yeah, at least we didn't have to do too much tap dancing around anything in that movie too much. Um, no. but yeah, what do you what do you want to do next? Well, oh, no. let's, uh... So, the, the, the project that I was thinking about, just because it's fucking buck wild. Um, oh, no. It's a, two, it's a two-parter. Oh, I no! Two. But, uh, here's the thing. You want to do I... both parts in a row? I was thinking it was it would be a, a, a split it up into oh, two okay. episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'll just your um, next two episodes of your pick. Yeah, I caught we my family caught <laughs> and recorded the last I don't know twenty minutes or so of the first part on TV. Oh no, what is that? And then we we saw the, you know what it is. We saw the second half uh, later on. And it was the 80s. We didn't know it was a fucking dumpster fire of epic proportions. Oh, I know we what you're talking know. about. Is this that yeah. long? Huh? Oh, you t- okay? I know what it is now, but yeah, you yeah you have to explain it to everyone else because I forgot we're hosting a podcast and other people have to listen to this. <laughs> Back in 1985, God. Uh, apparently made-for-TV <laughs> movies were all the rage. Do you know? You, and, is there a copy of this on YouTube at least? Because I don't yes, know. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't think I'd be able to find a torrent of this. Um, and uh, their budgets were not that high. No. And somebody said, hey, what if we used $13 and hired, oh, various luminaries of the acting world like Telly Savalas, Rego Starr, yeah, whoever needs Carol a paycheck. Channing, oh my God, I'm... Uh, Sammy Davis Jr., and we filmed uh, Alice in Wonderland on um, <laughs> some unused... Uh, Local community theater. Actually, you know, I'm watching a clip now. It actually doesn't look that bad for production value wise. No, but then you look at the outfits people are wearing. Yeah, you know what? I thought this was gonna be more like like just a filmed stage play. So this this at least kind of looks like a movie a little bit. Oh, Sherman Helmsley's in this. And uh, he's singing. Oh wait, oh wait. Oh, there must be different bits, because I just saw a section that's, like, filmed inside a castle. Okay, this Sherman Helmsley singing the song I Hate Dogs and Cats is more what I expected, because this is obviously just... There's... It's just the stage. There's another, uh... Alice in Wonderland. Make sure you're not looking at that one, because there's one in 1985, and there's one more recently made for TV. I was going to say, because these... It looks like the same Alice between two of them. Yeah, you'll have to send me a link. We'll have to very specifically uh, specify what we're looking for here. The thing about this one was there's the Jabberwocky shows up from the poem in yeah, the, the monster, Alice yeah. in Wonderland or Looking Glass that that poem's in. 
What the fuck is this piece of Anyhow, shit? Jabberwocky shows up. It's dumb looking, but this movie came out in 85, so I probably saw it. Yeah, Ringo Star, nonsense. Like Alice in Wonderland, December 10th, 1985. Okay. And uh, the Jabberwocky scared the shit out of me. That's my abiding memory of this thing. It's the only thing I really remember. And now it just looks like a silly, slimy pile of poop. But, um... What do you think, Bill? Think we should do that or something? I guess actually we're committed. Good. You can't talk about this 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 long and I just guess. suddenly decide not to do it. <laughs> well, that's I mean we we zigged and zagged on last week's suggestion. The fuck, Shelly Winters, and she's like a turkey. Yeah. What the <laughs> hell is this? It's uh, it's, it's. I know it's Alice in Wonderland. It's always going to be bonkers. Oh yeah, Carol Channing is the White Queen. I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Oh it's no! Two parts what are you doing? They did Alice in Wonderland from uh, 1985, and the, but then it's to be continued at the end, and <laughs> you get to Alice in through the Looking Glass for the second. They do half. both of them. So is this two they hours do, long, or is this four hours long? It's it's an hour and a half ish, oh, and then the second part's probably an hour and a half also. Okay, so three. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it's not too bad. You no. know what this means? It means that I get to strike back with like like a three hour like. The assassination of the Robert Ford by the something something. Oh, this is this is great because this means I get to do like another like maybe I should in the do mood this. for love or because <laughs> no. I have a whole no. backlog of terrible <laughs> things I've been keeping. Oh my god! No, yeah, we'll see. Well, this is also funny too because like just last week we were talking about the Phantom Tool booth and I was rambling about how. Nar- Alice in Wonderland narratives are never very good because it's just a, like yeah it's just a bunch of crazy shit for two hours but and yeah this will just be a bunch of crazy shit for three hours starring Sammy Davis Jr. and Carol Carol Chan Chan I can't even speak Carol Chan hey it's got Roddy McDowell in it Bill hey Roddy McDowell he is picky about his the projects he chooses to be a part of. <laughs> It's got Telly Savalas as the Cheshire Cat, oh but his head God. is still bald for some reason. <laughs> oh, God. God, yeah. I don't know why there was like 10 years where they would have celebrity-filled, televised adaptations of fairy tale. Oh, it's the grandma from National Lampoon's Vacation. She shows up in this. It can't be that Sid bad. Sid Caesar shows up in yeah, it. Yeah, I think Sid Caesar's uh, the king. Let's not give away all of these fantastic, fantastic as, stars that show as up. As if Sid Caesar's going to be the thing that makes her breaks. You know what? Actually, if I wanted to be a real asshole talking about Sid Caesar, I should follow this up with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Because talk oh, about no, long projects. List. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that's I would not take notes on that. Yeah. Um, There's no way in hell. That might actually be a uh, good chance because we just do a Sid Caesar double feature. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I guess I guess we're gonna do that. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So just you'll have to send us a link. We'll have to popularize so so everyone's on the same wavelength. We'll have to let everyone know exactly which version of the 1985 Alice in Wonderland. Oh God, this is. No, 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 no. I'm I watching... mean, you can say no, Bill. No, you can I'm not saying it. no, but I'm just like, there's the whole. I... Hey, you know what? This is great, Bill. Oh. This is great. Play Dragon Quest Builders while you watch it. Stop. <laughs> I gotta stop playing that because I'm just, I'm just spinning my wheels in that game right now. <laughs> oh my god. No, I'm, I'm not saying no to the project as much as some of the costume designs. Oh yeah, that's all terrible. Yeah, because so, it's yeah, all like. It's, I guess we're gonna do that. So, okay, yeah. I must be looking at because I'm seeing two different versions of the Jabberwocky, so I must be looking at two different versions of yeah, Alice. It's Wonder. the one that looks like a slimy stack of poop. Yeah, this is yeah because there's there's one that actually looks like a film that was like filmed mm. inside a castle. I don't know what the hell that is, but 
There's been so many versions of Alice in Wonderland. God. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so that's next Anyhow. week. Alice in Wonderland, yep. 1985 uh, TV, TV uh, star-studded something-something. Probably CBS yeah, or something. Mudrid on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Tardy Podcast on Twitter. TardyPodcast.com. We're filled our holes of pop culture. One piece of media at the same No, not at the same time. Not one piece at a time. Whatever the fuck. I don't we know. Suddenly, We've been talking for too we long. We only break Shut the up. rules of physics and we do 200 uh, projects all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got nothing else. Billy, got anything else? No, that's it. Unless we... Well, you know, it would be appropriate if we end this episode on a freeze frame where it's not funny or interesting at all. And you're just left wondering, is that the end of the movie? Is that the end of the podcast? Also, oh, every episode we do. Yeah. How do you do a freeze frame for a podcast, though? Do you literally just have a record scratch and that's it? And just the entire episode just breaks to a halt? I don't know. Yeah, there's no end credits. I think to you just put through. five seconds of silence because that feels like an eternity. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, thank you guys for listening to us. We'll be back next week with Thanks. Alice in Wonder. So, hmm. Okay, so are you going to watch both halves? I don't know if you want to watch it record both you, halves. Bill, uh, so if we have a good enough time <laughs> talking about this, because I'm not going to say watching, because that's not going to happen. Yeah. If we have a good enough time talking about it, I'll give you a choice of either the next week continuing on with the second part or waiting till my next project to continue on with the second part. Okay, it doesn't matter to me. Or not much. doing the second part at all. Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, you know what? The, I, I, it would have to be catastrophically terrible for me to say I don't want to do the second part at all. Um, yeah. It might, I, yeah, I'm not quite sure for the listeners. Actually, this might be another thing worthwhile uh, throwing to the listeners if they have a preference for mm. that, too. If they would uh, rather have uh, both as episodes go live one after the other or if they would like a little break in between. Um, but yeah, because yeah. to me, it really doesn't matter too much. And I'm not worried about sticking to, to any kind of particular schedule or anything like that either. But we'll figure stuff out. But yeah, I'll yeah. have to actually sit down and start watching it. <laughs> and then we can start <laughs> uh, making firm plans around that. But oofa doofa. Yeah, it's gonna be a oofa doof. At least it hopefully won't be as bad as uh oh, what's what was uh Shelley Duvall's storybook show that she had. I was about to, that was gonna be the one of the first things that I would research to see if this is related at all to anything like that. Because they, like I said, in the '80s there was like a ten-year thing of like there were weird TV televised, and I think the Shelley Duvall thing was that like. Was that, like, on the Disney Channel, or was that just on general TV, or what the hell was that I for? don't remember seeing it, so I, it must have been on cable. Yeah, and I know she eventually turned that into, like, a Sega CD game that's I think was one of the worst-selling <laughs> pieces of software in the 90s, too, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, I'm gonna shout, because we're just dragging this out with me trying to wrap my head around okay. this goddamn Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> Alright, so until next time, you feel your whole pop culture. So long, everybody. Take care, guys. Bye.